Welcome everybody to the Kid Casper podcast. I'm a gracious, beautiful, blessed, beloved, and black host, the kid they call Casper. The KID in Kid Casper stands for King of Development. I'm that menace with the melanin. Reject me as I am as long as he is still relevant. So got our early morning, uh, not really early because some of us wake up before seven o'clock in the morning. So this won't be too much of an issue or a strain on anybody, but got a, um, I'm here on a different time than I'm normally here, obviously. Um, some of y'all are probably either on your way to work, probably late, and you're listening to me in your speakers by chance. Or some of y'all that still work from home got me set up in your kitchens, your living rooms, your whatnots, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to drop the intro real quick, and I'm going to bring my guest up on this morning. I'm so used to saying this evening, but let me drop the intro real quick. This is your first time tuning in today. Hello, I'm the kid that they call Casper. I'm a Christian rapper slash activist. Um, you know, I usually go call myself a raptivist, but my coffee is not kicking in yet. Um, I'm a leader of the Interfaith Coalition in the state of Maryland that's trying to fight for institutional, educational, societal reform. Um, let's see, taco enthusiast, ghostthreads.com. That's how we pay the bills around here. And today, um this morning i'm gonna say this morning i was about to say this evening i have a guest a very special guest this morning i was about to say evening again um he's an illustrator he's a pastor he's a husband um he's pretty uh pretty profound and all-around dope guy uh i found him in canada i didn't go to canada i found him on the internet he resides in canada uh y'all may know him as the naked pastor and i said opened up with that because just in case anybody thinks that he's going to be naked no we don't do that on here that would make it really really weird um but i know him as uh pastor david hayward how you doing today sir good casper how are you thanks for having me on today and hello everybody out there i'm doing all right i'm doing all right so um you know we talked a little bit before um we fired up the um, the stream and everything like that, but this is usually the time where I get to ask you some like super intense questions. But I'm just gonna start off with uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm uh, I am Canadian. I am in Canada. I'm north of Maine for um, your American listeners, and I I live on the Atlantic Ocean pretty much. Um. I left the ministry actually in 2010. So uh, even though I call myself the naked pastor, I don't actually pastor a church, although people do claim that I'm still kind of playing the role of a pastor, but online. Um, so I, I say, sometimes I say I'm a, virtually a pastor. But um, yeah, I, I was a, I grew up in the church. Um, I went to Bible college, went to seminary, got ordained served the church for about 30 years, and uh, then left in 2010 um, and decided to see if I could make Naked Pastor work full time, which had been going for about five years at that point. 
And um, that's what I am doing now full-time as a uh, naked pastor. I'm, I presently uh, facilitate online groups. I um, am a cartoonist and an artist and a writer and a speaker. And um, I just love what I do, engaging with people online. Mostly what I'm known for is helping people um, what we call deconstruct their beliefs or change their beliefs or grow spiritually or leave the ministry or leave the church or struggle with the church or whatever. So I, I help people through that sort of uncomfortable, um, unorthodox um, kind of um, stage in our spiritual development. So that's what I'm very interested in and passionate about and help people with. So that's, yeah, and I'm, I'm married um, and we have three grown children. And um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, this is usually something I ask to my guests and um, this mm -hmm. is like the only other questions like I have prepared. So if you had to pick a favorite Disney princess, what princess would that be? Favorite Disney princess? Yes, wow. <laughs> well, the first one that came to mind was Jasmine. I think is it Jasmine in um, um yeah Jasmine isn't that her name um uh, this Jasmine from um Aladdin yes Aladdin yes Aladdin Got yeah it. that's right and just by case if you want to answer this and you know humor me for a second if you know anything about this and if you don't that's fine sure. um if you had to pick a starter six Pokemon like meaning like starter six pokemon you would have as a pokemon i see you smiling over there so this is doing just this is going just well uh what six pokemon would they be sir look at me man look at me I, i've got white hair i don't know anything about pokemon. hey look man i don't like to discriminate shoot <laughs> <laughs> i don't like this anybody like i i remember buying my kids pokemon and going to pokemon um fairs and all that kind of stuff but uh no i don't know anything about pokemon oh I did. I did see some guy on TikTok the other day. He was opening um, some TikTok uh, or some Pokemon um, cards, and he actually got one that was worth three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars or something. So that was pretty wild. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Alrighty then. So we're just gonna um, now that we got the tough grilling questions out of the way we're trying to get into it um so one of the reasons i wanted to pick your brain um a bit because you know i heard about you in i would call it the evangelical space on tiktok we'll call mm -hmm. it that um you know i've had people i've had people of the likes of like you know pastor paul um pastor jordan april joy um michael mm -hmm. you know and a lot of them have spoke highly of you, not so much like on the interview space, but just bringing up like, you know, taking like pieces of your art and just kind of like digging into it. Right. Um, so if you don't mind me asking when we were talking, um, you uh -huh. know, as far as you were talking about as far as like leaving the ministry, there's one video you have, I think it's on your TikTok in which you were talking about you were leaving you left the ministry and everything like that so if you don't mind me asking um or more so you don't mind answering yeah. why did you end up uh leaving your old church or your ministry yeah yeah so don't don't be afraid to ask me anything i uh, there's nothing out of bounds for me so 
Um, gotcha. So far, so far, anyway. <laughs> um, I I'd been see my my primary uh, I, what I'm most interested in is my own personal freedom and growth, and as a result, I'm very very passionate about the your freedom, the freedom of others, and their freedom to grow in their own way. So I always gravitated towards churches um, that I felt allowed that where I was free to grow. And so the last church I was in, um, I, it, it was a wonderful church, great community. Um, I loved it. Um, we, I, I just felt I had the freedom to grow. But um, it, in a, around 2009, I, I felt myself growing in a way that might start making people uncomfortable. And in fact, I was starting to hear um, from people, including my higher ups, my people who were in authority over me in the in the in the denomination, expressing concern about what I was blogging about and cartooning about, and um, suggesting that maybe I needed to run things through them first um, before I posted anything. And I knew um, I knew I wouldn't be able to live under those conditions. Like I, I, I don't like that kind of monitoring and regulation and, and everything. I, I, up to that point, I felt really free to be who I was, but obviously I'd crossed some kind of a, a line where, um, people were concerned that I was no longer really as orthodox as I should be, um, that I was, um, maybe, straying a little bit out of out of bounds and maybe some people even believed that i'd lost my anointing and my calling as a pastor and i was falling away and, and all those kind of things so i just made the decision one night you know it's probably best for me right now and probably best for the church if we went our separate ways and so we had a, an amicable divorce we agreed to go our separate ways and um and uh that's you know that's that's what happened back in 2010. Okay, so this has been a while now. So when you yeah. were saying that you were doing like your like your blogs and like your illustrations. So basically yeah. the naked pastor, that tagline, um, this like online identity, the naked pastor existed back then essentially. So like in 2009, yeah. roughly, um, you were doing like you were doing like what you're doing now, opposed to yeah. what you're doing now is full-time but back then it was we'll call it a, well i won't call it a hobby because it seems kind of diminishing but basically the naked pastor has been here for like the past like 11 to 12 years is what you're saying essentially oh naked pastor's been around since 2005 so it's been around 16 years and uh so um i started blogging in 2005 i started cartooning um i i thought i'd give cartooning a shot as a way to uh express myself and um and then you know it was naked pastor was pretty small. Well, I was just starting. And then, um, my cartoons started taking off, uh, and getting more and more popular so that at, at around 2009 or so, um, I, I could no longer really hide, you know, what I was doing and people were noticing and uh, I was drawing attention to myself, you know, and that's when things started to get, um, difficult for me to stay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, first off, I'm in love with your art, by the way. Um, I think yeah. like 
I, I think I messaged, I think I like commented on beneath, uh, um, underneath one of your um, posts. I was like, this is probably one of my favorite pieces. Um, it uh-huh. was, uh, it was something in which like, I guess like Jesus was trying to like erase some lines. Right. <laughs> like it was people around him trying to like add these lines right. behind him, potentially. So yeah. um, if you know what piece I'm talking about, because um, I might have missed something. Um, I feel like, you know, when I do get a chance to talk to some of these like illustrators and stuff like that, um, there's something that I might have missed. So kind of break down like what came to your mind when you or the inspiration behind that. And then like the messaging, I guess you were trying to convey sure. to people with that. Sure. Piece. So I one of my foundational beliefs is that. Uh, at a deep and fundamental level, we're united, we're one, that we're all connected. And that um, there's only one reality, but we all have our own interpretation of it, our own words to describe it, our own language to articulate what and explain this reality, but there's only one reality. And and so um, the, the only thing that seems to divide us is our words our language. Um, So I wanted to illustrate that where people are drawing lines with big fat pencils and um, Jesus has his upside down and is erasing them with the other end of the pencil, erasing those lines because um, I I do, I do believe even though we have our distinctions and um, I believe in diversity and I love diversity with all of our, you know, skin color and language and sexualities and gender and beliefs and all that stuff, uh, that we are essentially one and connected on a deep level. And the only thing that seems to divide us is our our language, our words, our ideas, our thoughts and language, basically. And so um, here we see, I call that one eraser. Um, here we see people dividing and separating ourselves from one another. And I believe um, the, the message of, of uh, Jesus is that essentially we're one on a deep and fundamental level and that love overcomes our, um, our, our, our differences uh, in, in the way we describe things and so on. So yeah, that's, that's actually probably my most popular cartoon. Gotcha. Um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I think is uh, kind of funny, um, and when I say it's kind of funny about like just that, is that I feel like sometimes when it comes to something that's supposed to be relationship, and when we're speaking on um, this like walk, this <laughs> divine walk, this um, how am I saying? How am I trying to put this? Basically, like we, I think sometimes that we end up you know, institutionalizing um, the relationship aspect of what being a disciple of Christ means. Right. And we end up like, I guess like what I got out of it is like, we end up like creating these rules where Jesus is like, there's no rules. I guess that's what I got out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we make the love of Christ too complicated. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? 
And it's like we we're we'll make all these like things that we have to like formulate. And it's like, oh, we have to, you know, you gotta go to church with your with wearing this, or you gotta talk like this or act like this and behave like this. And Jesus right. is like G I guess like what I was showing is like, you know, see all these expectations and these lines that man keeps drawing for us. Yeah, um, I got sent to get rid of these. So I guess like that's what I uh yeah what I got out of it. Yeah, that's but, cool. Everybody gets a different interpretation from from my cartoons. It's funny, you know, some people will say, this is what I got from your cartoon, and it might be totally something totally different than what I intended, but it still makes sense for them. And, you know, that's that's the nature of art, right, where everybody gets mm -hmm. even music or poetry or films or whatever. Everybody walks away with a different impression. So uh that's why that's another reason why i love doing cartoons is because it just um, evokes so many reactions and and uh re responses from people and uh you know some of my cartoons uh, really you know encourage people and some of them really you know make people angry so um there's all that kind of variety of responses to my work makes it interesting Um, so one, I, you mentioned something right there and, um, you said it was making you angry, I guess, like, was it, I guess like one of the things when you said that you felt like you were being like policed as artists in a sense, um, uh -huh. was it like pieces like that where it was like going against the grain of, well, actually, I don't know what it's. Actually, that's a pretty interesting question. Um, so how long have you lived in Canada by chance? I was born here. Okay, so you were born, raised, and grew up in everything. Okay. Yep. Well, although I went to um, Bible college and I went to seminary down in the States. That's where I met my wife. She's from Alabama, actually. So um, she's American. And, um, but, you know, and I've, I've lived probably uh, seven, eight, nine probably eight or nine years I've lived in the States. Um, so, and I have a son there now and because our kids are dual and um, yeah. So I'm very, I'm only an hour away from the border. So I'm very, very close to the States and mo actually 90% of my followers are in the States. So um, it's, uh, I'm very close to the America <laughs> in many ways. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I Okay, so I'm I'm asking because like, so I know like I guess like we'll call it the ideology of like the American church. Um, I'm curious of like what, I guess like the climate is like, like what is it like? What is it like? I guess like because you know how I just said like there's like the standard of like the American church. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can speak to that because if you do know the American church system, but like what is Mm -hmm. the Canadian church, like what does that look like um, in Canada for those that for, especially for me, one, I'm just curious because I didn't think about this to ask you as a question earlier, but right. like for our, our viewers too, because I got a couple of people that what tune in there in Canada as well. But uh, tell us a little bit about like what it means to be a part of the Canadian church. Okay. So uh, the Canadian uh, church has just as much variety as uh, churches do in, in America. So we, you've got Roman Catholic, and then you've got a whole slew of Protestant churches. We've got the Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and Presbyterian. You have Episcopal, we call them Anglican. 
Um, you know, we, we've got everything just like the states have. We've got independent churches and everything. Generally speaking, we don't have mega churches here. There are there might be a couple what they call mega churches in Canada, but really huge churches aren't a thing up here for some reason. Um, and another big difference is uh, that uh, religion and politics are separate. So um, in the States, there's, I think, the dangerous uh, blending going on between, um, you know, Christianity and the church and uh, American politics and politicians, whereas in Canada, generally speaking, that's not a thing. Uh, so um, although there are conservative Christians who would like to see that happen, where the church um, takes over uh, politics or the government. Um, and, you know, I don't think will happen in Canada um, because it's very deeply embedded in our, in our culture and the Canadian scene that the church and politics are separate. Although we do have some politicians who might be very conservative Christian who try to influence um, Canadian society through politics with their Christianity or whatever, but generally speaking, that's not welcomed. And, and so, um, yeah, I'd say those are the major, major differences. We've got Pentecostals and, and uh, Baptists and um, Catholics, just like you guys do in the States, but, um, but um, the church and um, the government politics are, are pretty separate here, which I, which I prefer. I think it's the way it should be. Man, that sounds freaking great. I might need to. <laughs> I might need to move to Canada. Shoot! <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and I say that because, like, I guess for me, um, now I didn't know a little story about me. Like, I didn't get saved until I was nineteen. Okay. Um, and you know, I got very turned off to the point, like I actually left my old church back in, um, July of last year. I just started going to like, as far as like the institutions of going inside like a church walls, like a couple weeks ago. Right. And I just didn't like how, as you described it, like, you know, I don't like when we try to like legislate morality, I would say, um, that's one because it kind of shows how much power we actually have right as a church meaning like if we have to get the government involved to help us do our job then we're probably not doing our job very well right um and then on top of that um it it, it was very easy to see for me at least um that when we got in bed with like the government essentially Mm -hmm. It showed how much our faith was influenced by our poli our our political affiliation, opposed to our political affiliations being associated by our faith. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like you know, we had uh, we had the orange man the last five years. I don't feel like saying his name on my podcast. Um, <laughs> we've right. had, um, and we still see that it's a little bit to this day when it comes to like these like um, different like legislation that they're pushing for. Um, it, right. it's supposed to be Christ-like, but it's not necessarily Christ-like. It's just not even like how Christ's methods would have necessarily gone. So, right, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So you know, we have our advantages. Like I like 
I, I'm glad I'm Canadian. I'm, I'm glad I live in Canada. Um, but, you know, we, we have our, our problems as well. Um, we were t- just talking about this at the beginning of the show where, you know, I think Canada is a wonderful country, but we have some pretty serious issues that we're facing right now as a country. Um, so, for example, with the Indigenous um, people um, and, the, and the graves of uh, children, um, unmarked graves of children, Indigenous children that have been found at the residential schools and so on. Um, across Canada. And I think we're going to be seeing more of that. So we have our very, very serious problems as well. So um, that, you know, I, I think we really, we got a huge problem and, and we need to address it. And um, we got a lot of work to do. It's funny how you say that. Cause like, I always tell people that like, for instance, I'm one of those people like I got into, I would say like, you know, I've done activism for years, like, you know, try to put it into like human trafficking and sex slavery and educating people on that and advocating mm-hmm. for trying to change that. Um, right. As far as like what we see with like, you know, like police brutality in our state, in my states and everything like that. Yeah. Um, we see like all this stuff happening. And then, you know, what just recently happened um which is like as far as like the findings in church in your um country, what obligation do us as disciple of Christ, regardless of um what nation we belong to, what obligation that you feel that we have to speak on this, and or pretty much that's my question, like what obligation do you feel like we have to like speak on these things, especially when it comes to like the indigenous children that are found at these charter schools. Right. probably were put there by people that proclaim the same Jesus we proclaim. What obligation do we have to speak on these things? Well, hundred percent obligation. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult time for the indigenous. See, the thing is, this isn't a secret. We've all known this was a reality. Um, it was kind of like a, a public secret. Um, nobody is, or should be surprised that this happened. It, it's it's just now really come out. It, it's it's like in the news. We're seeing graphic, you know, footage. So it's it's in our faces, and so we're obliged one hundred percent to to do something about it. Here I am, a, a white man um, living on Mi'kmaq land. Um, And, uh, you know, we've got, we have um, a lot of uh, work to do in terms of justice uh, to to, um, figure this out. So I think we're totally 100% obliged, just kind of like in the United States with Islamophobia or or racism that... uh, or, or misogyny that that's going on. Same here in Canada, but uh, in the States, you know, I'm, I'm follow, I follow the news. I, I'm on, I have a Twitter account. I see what's going on and none of us are surprised when we see another manifestation of police brutality down there. Uh, it, but we act like it, oh, this is terrible news. It's like, this is the way things are, you know, and, and then you see commentators come on the news and they're saying, this isn't who we are as America. This isn't who we are. Well, apparently it is every friggin' day. It's, it seems, you know, it's, it's time to stop denying 
who we really are and get to work to, um, to change ourselves and to um, create justice for everyone equally. I think it's because um, it's funny because we have, we see like this, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like um, there's this like pushback when it comes to, mm -hmm. or better yet, there's just this, there's this stigma when it comes to like social justice, I would say, mm -hmm. even though some of the biggest revolutionaries in this country, it's in my country, um, mm -hmm. as far as like um, social justice goes, they were people that were Christians, like Frederick Douglass. Um, I mean, Nat Turner, he was a little wild, but he, he, Nat Turner was a, a Christian. Um, Harriet Tubman, um, Martin Luther King, um, so on and so forth. It's, But it goes to show that when we come against, I'll call it, I call it whitewashed um, Christianity. Um, mm -hmm. We already know what the dangers of that is. I um, I put up a pretty polarizing, I put up a pretty polarizing tweet um, a couple of weeks ago when I said imperialism and colon colonialism is white Christianity, and people didn't uh, care much for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, sir? Well, repeat that. You repeat what you said. The the quote. I said that. Uh, colonialism and imperialism is white Christianity. Essentially. Yeah. That's Americanized yeah. Christianity. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, no. Again, here I am a white man. Um, I totally 100% agree. I mean, white supremacy is um, pretty prevalent everywhere. And behind a lot of the, you know, um, colonization of, of uh, you know, there's other countries that colonized um, Portugal, you know, um, Italy, France, you know, uh, Spain. Um, but um, yeah, the the uh, colonization, which is a huge, you know, and everybody's talking about it. Uh, so when you when you um, when you post something like that, yeah, you're gonna get. I mean, I'm 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 following some accounts of indigenous uh, activists and black activists on on TikTok, and uh, it's just alarming. It's it's very alarming. But we have to face the the, the horrible truth. We we have to do that if we're going to um, experience change. We can't just say, "Oh, come on, let's all just like uh, forgive and forget, and let's move on." No, there has to be some very uncomfortable conversations. There has to be some shocking self-awareness. Um, there has to be some um, very stretching um, justice provided for everyone. So I think that's what lies ahead of us if we're if we're interested in peace um, on Earth. So good for you though for posting something like that, but. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you get kicked back from that kind of thing. Oh, I don't, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I stopped caring. What, I tell people all the time, I didn't care what people thought before I found Jesus. I'm not going to start now that I have him. Uh, that's just me. But yeah. uh, it sounds like when we're like, when we're talking about like this, as far as like owning up to it. Um, and recognizing it. Um, that's a pretty touchy subject, especially when we're talking a 
amongst um, each other as far as like Christians go. When we talk about like, you know, um, racial reconciliation um, and we're talking about like, for instance, like reparations. Um, tell us a little bit about like, I guess what you know about like reparations and what is your, I guess like your kingdom insight or like your thought about like the subject of reparations when we're talking about, um, you know, the black and indigenous um, communities and stuff like that, as far as like the afflictions that they faced, it sounds like that they faced in your country as well, but like in my country, talk a little bit about like what you know about reparations and then like give, I guess like a kingdom like mind of a kingdom thought about like the term reparations and how do you feel about reparations? Yeah, so you're, um, I don't know if your tech person can hear, but you're, you're pretty warbly, your voice. Um, but uh, I know I heard what you said, though. Um, so I think we need to be careful. Um, colonizers uh, need to be careful uh, to actually sit down equally at a table um, and have... Um, like negotiate and come up with a plan. Um, and I totally believe in, in reparations. I mean, on the one hand, what amount of, of money or whatever can um, reverse the horrors of what happened? Um, you know, that's, that's one question. On the other hand, um, can we in any way remove obstacles between us as as races and as peoples can we remove obstacles to forming true community um, in Canada and in the US uh, I think those are important things that we need to do even though they might be very uncomfortable and costly um, I think that's just the way things are done you know or should be done you know so when I see um, Indigenous activists or black activists or women act feminist activists or whatever um, expressing their uh, anger and concern and everything um, and challenging um, men, whites, colonizers, whatever, um, the police, um, I think it 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 puts people it puts some people on edge and and they their immediate reaction is to get very defensive and um they might stay in that in that kind of an attitude whereas i think it's like anybody who if somebody comes to me that and i've hurt them or offended them or whatever and they inform me i need to humbly listen to what they're saying and believe them and i don't get to decide how they should feel as a result of my harming them. Um, and, and then we sit down and, and work it out. I mean, that's how it's done one-on-one. -on -one, and I think that's how it will be done between people groups as well. Should be done. Don't you? Do you, do you agree with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's important <clears throat> when we talk to, um, <laughs> he said, one of my, one of my uh, followers says we referred to racist white people as colonizers. I think he's I think he's well aware. 
But, um, um, yeah. Yeah, you, you're well aware and you agree with that statement. Yeah. Gotcha. It, well, yeah. Um, so for me, I think like it's kind of like um, there's something my grandma used to always say. The more you try to hide is where bitterness can reside. Um, essentially where, you know, we talk about like, and I think you gave the analogy as far as like people groups, I look at it as if you guys are in a, if people are in a marriage and you apologize for certain behavior, but you haven't like rectified that behavior, how can reconciliation take place? So what ends up happening, like with, when we're talking about like these different, like marginalized communities and stuff like that, you telling us, oh, we don't, um, hold the same values to like our our past and everything like that but then like you you refrain and hold back from trying to even acknowledge where the wrong is taking place how can you tell me that you care about my feelings you care about um the impact that has happened to us and everything like that so yeah i definitely agree um and plus i mean me i mean me specifically i think reparations is biblical you know what i'm saying like being able to I think that that's the, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about justice. That's a part of the justice process. Right. Yeah, no, it is. And, and like, I totally agree, like using marriage as an analogy. Um, um, and I talk about marriage a lot and, and I know, I know couples, let's say who maybe the, the wife challenges the husband about how he hurt her emotionally, let's say, hurt her feelings. And she brings it up and his immediate reaction is rage, he's just angry because he's he's uh, um, defensive. Um, maybe he's insecure, doesn't like to, he can't handle criticism. Or maybe he thinks he's perfect and didn't hurt her. Or maybe he, you know, feels threatened that she's not going to love him anymore. There's all kinds of reactions. But if he could just sit down, shut up and listen and then absorb what's being said and, and try to see how his behaviors and beliefs have caused this, um, then I think that marriage can be reconciled. And I think it's the same with um, between um, people groups um, and, and races and religions and everything is to sit down and just listen, absorb what's being said, try to figure out how our beliefs and behaviors have caused harm and try to figure out how to move forward. Um, and not just forgive and forget, but actually change and promise to change and um, repair what damage has been done. So I think that at the, the the way it works one-on-one -on -one, um like in a marriage can the same process needs to happen on a grand larger scale gotcha um another question i have for you um just because i'm like i said completely love your art and everything like that so there's a question that i've been posing as far as like and i'm on the in pastor i'm on this uh weird when I say weird, it's not weird because I don't, I think as Christians, we are obligated to seek nuances. I think that that's just our obligation as disciples of Christ. So I'm on this weird place as far as like deconstructing my faith goes. 
and we're talking about like for instance i see you post a lot of stuff you know pertaining to like the lgbtqia plus community and stuff like that i'm on this weird thing especially where i've seen like articles and stuff I'm, i don't want to call it weird i'm on this this journey where i'm trying to make sure what's supposed to be attached to my faith if we're talking about theology wise is actually supposed to be there um and i'm doing some research research and i'm trying to un more so understand and really really seek his face to give me some clarity about where i guess like the gospel falls as far as like um you know same-sex attraction and everything like that um i don't have the answer just yet but a question that i've been asking myself mm -hmm. even if you know the theology seems to be what i've known my whole i would say my whole life as a question that yeah i see you um the question i always ask people when we're talking about um the, the um as far as like the lgbtqia plus community um did the church fail the um lgbtqia plus community like if that's a question to you um that's a question to you do you think personally that we failed them as a community as a whole yeah absolutely i do <laughs> yeah that's an understatement I do. I really do feel we've failed them. Um, in terms of uh, the Bible and theology, there's two. There's two. Um, yeah, thanks, Wayward Jessica. Um, there, there's two ways one can go. One is we have to we have to read and interpret the Bible accurately the way it was written. So there's that originalist kind of approach to it. Um, now, and, and some people are saying it's right there in the Bible that, you know, a man shall not lie down with another man, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I want to inform people that there's a lot of research going on by qualified, world-renowned biblical scholars who are um, doing the work to show that that is not necessarily what it's talking about, homosexuality or same-sex attraction or whatever like that. It could be talking about, um, um, you know, uh, men, you know, taking sexual advantage of boys and so on, things like that, or um, temple prostitution or, or things like that. So, uh, so people who are concerned about the original interpretation of the Bible, you need to know that there are, Bible scholars out there and theologians out there who are arguing that the Bible is does is not clear against LGBTQIA plus people. And so you need to know that. Another approach people take to the Bible is that it was written over 2,000 years ago by a bunch of men in a faraway distant culture. I mean, experientially, I don't mean geographically necessarily, um, but who lived at a different time, a different era when it was super patriarchal, um, tribal, and um, that there was a whole lot of social um, rules set in place to protect the group of people. Um, <laughs> and so the, that, that whole um, thing about the, we need to follow the Bible, why? Like we've already given up on um, that we shouldn't eat shrimp or that we shouldn't eat pork or that we shouldn't uh, blend our fabrics or that we um, shouldn't be allowed to 
uh, serve in the ministry if we've been divorced. Like all these things are changing over time um, and, and uh, because of progress. And so I don't think that we should look back 2000 plus years um, in a, an ancient book written by ancient men from an ancient culture for our sexual mores um, and for our uh, for a, a clear understanding of gender, for example, like they don't know they didn't know what we know now, and and so I think that needs to be taken into account. And uh, so both ways honor the Bible, but one way I, I remind I want to repeat myself. One way when we honor the Bible as it was written, there are people arguing it's not as clear as you think. And on the other hand, we honor the Bible as something that was written a long time ago that points to the truth, but we don't have to um, obey every letter of its laws because some of them are from a, an ancient time and place that don't make sense anymore in, in what, because of what we know and what we've learned about ourselves. So that's that's what I basically tell people now who are struggling with that whole biblical theology thing when it comes to LGBTQIA. And yeah, the church has let down the that those people. And um, there are we're seeing some change. So for example, uh, good news last week: the Methodist Church in England um, voted strongly in favor of same-sex marriage. That's that's huge news. That's awesome. That's incredible news. And um, so, you know, here and there, we're seeing some progress. And then here and there, we're seeing people digging in their heels even deeper. And, um, and so we, we need, just need to keep doing the work. I missed a comment there. Oh, can we cut that? Okay. There we go. Yeah. Well, I just, thank you. Uh, I, just, I just talked about that yesterday. Um, I just talked about that yesterday in my, go, go check out Naked Pastor on Instagram. I talk about that all the time because basically the assumption behind love the sinner, hate the sin is that being something is a sin. If you're born LGBTQIA plus whatever, uh, that's not, you know, it's not a sin. Um, so that, that right away um, shoots holes in that, in that argument. So, I think I want to make sure I understand what you're trying to say. And for clarification purposes is I, I, I like to say this thing. It's um, failure isn't a man. It's a moment. Meaning like we don't have the right to identify people by what they do. You know what I'm saying? Or by their actions. So you saying, you know, love the, by us saying love the sinner, but hate the sin. We're automatically, like damning these people essentially um, because of something that they can't even control. It wasn't a choice by any means. Um, but then we start identifying them as what they do. Is that, is that what you're basically getting at, sir? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if, if, if uh, straight monogamous people were judged for being straight and acting straight, they would, they would, they would go nuts, um, or we would go nuts because I'm straight. Um, <laughs> to, say, to say, well, you're allowed. It used to be it was a sin to be straight. Now we're we'll let you be straight, but you can't act straight. 
Mm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like um, the, the same attitude was used with the indigenous communities when the children were sent to these boarding schools that um, uh, uh, what was the saying? Um, save, kill the Indian, save the man. Mm. And um, that's basically the same attitude towards LGBTQIA plus folks where we're going to kill the gay or whatever, but somehow save the person. Um, you know, that comes straight out of medieval times when they tortured people thinking um, that when they tortured them to death, the church did this during the Inquisition, that they were somehow purifying them of their sin. Um, and basically we do that ideologically with uh, people, not, not just ideologically. I mean, uh, transgender people um, are afraid for their very lives around the world. And, um, and the, the murder rate and the suicide rate for them is very high. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's something we need to really look at and, 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 uh, you know, defend, defend these people. So I, I, uh, you know, not, like I was saying, um, about straight people, we used to say it was a sin to be gay. Then we, some, some people are like, okay, well, okay. The science says you're born gay. That can't be helped but you can't act gay. And that just, you know, that's, that's just crazy. It's like you were born, you were born Cree or, um, you know, Cherokee or whatever, but you can't act Cherokee or you were born black. You can't act black. Um, hmm. And, and uh, that's how much sense does that make? It doesn't make sense at all. You were born white. You're not allowed to act white. Um, that it, it just doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Although it would what be you, great more white people stopped acting so white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, what do you think we can do as far as, like, disciples goes? Um, if you have any advice, because it seems like um, you're, you're way more farther along than I am as far as, like, um, I don't like to call myself an ally to the LGBTQ community just because I don't really... I did not really. I don't. I don't know well enough. I just know that they are, you know, made in the image of God. They are the Imago Day, and everything like that. So they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect, just like I deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. You know, same Jesus that died for me died for them. What advice would you have for people, um, as far as seeking to understand and not be understood? One. Um, but trying to humanize um, them as a people opposed to otherizing them as a people. What advice would you have for them? Um, just, I would say, more importantly, disciples of Christ during this time um, when engaging their brothers and si their siblings inside of the um, LGBTQIA plus community. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just tell you how it, how it, what changed me was actually knowing and loving um gay people or transgender people or bisexual people or, um, you know, that's, it's hard to send your kid to hell in your head um, if they're transgender or um, if they're gay or whatever, when, when it's your child. Um, and uh, that's actually what, how I see a lot of people changing. I mean, I've seen several 
documentaries and read stories of people who used to be racist who decided to not be racist anymore and, and go approach um, um, maybe a black person they knew and say, can you help me? And, uh, you know, and uh, you know, they become friends and they, they learn there's no basis to their racism. Um, and it's the same with LGBTQIA plus people. Find some, make friends with them, love them, realize that there's nothing weird or different about them. They're just, they're just, there's just a wide variety of human beings in the earth. I love diversity. I am um, uh, less and less binary in my view of the world um, and people. And, and I think that's the way uh, of the future. I really do think that appreciating diversity and appreciating the, the spectrum, the wide, beautiful spectrum um, along which people find themselves is something to be appreciated. Um, and so that's why I, that, that, that's why I continue to encourage people. Do you know any gay people? Do you know any trans people? If not make an effort because they're everywhere. They are, they're everywhere. Um, they're, they're all around. There's, there's some probably in your family, um, in your classroom, at your work, in your church. Uh, and, and, um, you know, make steps to, to uh, bring them into your orbit and into your lives and into your homes and so on. So that's, that's how, that's what made the big difference for me. Um, and I am friends now with LGBTQIA plus people all over the world. And they're just an amazing, amazing, just like straight people are They're They're all amazing. We're all amazing. And, um, and I think it's, it doesn't take much work to, to, to see, to see that exposing yourself to the wide diversity of, of human beings in the world. You know, that's the problem with, with human beings is we generally tend to ghettoize ourselves and, um, and, uh, you know, put up walls around us, uh, so that we are all the same. And the pressure of groups is to conform and to all be the same, to, to be homogenous and to think the same and act the same, and believe the same and um, speak the same and eat the same. Everything's same, 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 same. And, and I think our job, um, like Jesus with the eraser, is to erase those walls around our ghettos and, um, and get out. Just get out and, and mix with the world. And, um, you know, it's like my wife and I, we like going on walks. Sometimes it's in the woods. Sometimes it's along the road. Sometimes it's along the ocean shore. Sometimes it's on a beach. Sometimes it's on a mountain. You know, it, variety is good and uh, needs to be appreciated. That was beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, well, Pastor David, I know you said that you, I only had about, I pretty much like an hour of your time because I know you got to go and uh, get your wife the second vaccine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying uh but you know if you if you ever have the time and i both have time i would love to have you back on here to just sure. i could sit here and talk to you for hours which is funny but i know you only got um one hour but well, we've been on here for can, an hour. huh we've been on here for an hour just about yeah, it, it, it just about it doesn't even feel like it um where can people find you and i think you said that you you lead a couple of like um online groups like and stuff like that where can people find you um especially mm -hmm. those that are in this 
season of deconstruction um and people that you know just want to connect with a pretty solid dude that has a beautiful soul where can they connect with you at um where can they find you and everything like that well thanks casper it's kind of you um i'm at nakedpastor.com and so i'm and i'm naked pastor one word naked pastor everywhere i'm on instagram linkedin um TikTok, uh youtube facebook twitter everywhere i'm i'm naked pastor and um i'm really good at responding to private messages or direct messages or emails so um reach out i'd love to hear from you all right cool and um i just wanted to say first off uh thank you pastor david for coming on here um you know you guys show him some love check out his website and everything like that and yeah. please hit him up he he's super understanding i need to uh get what's going on with not only like my tech for some odd reason keeps acting kind of wonky i have a interview i have another interview tonight pastor david um with a christian content creator named tori bay i don't know if you heard of her by chance yes no. tori bay tori bay she's this um she's this south korean um christian content creator it, the interview will be at 8 30 p.m east eastern standard time awesome. so i think it'll I think it'll be 7.30 your time, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but that should be a, a thoroughly fruitful conversation. I'm going to try to get that situated. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you, Pastor David, for coming through. Um, this was really, really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, have me back. Uh, I, I got you. I got you, sir. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, give you my contact information, my direct contact information. Uh, right. That way we don't have to chop it up through email and instagram because i'm barely on either one of those unfortunately but yeah okay. um thank you everybody for tuning in to um not tonight this morning uh <laughs> thank you everybody for tuning in this morning um hopefully i will see all of you or most of you some of you i don't know later on this evening um at 8 30 p.m eastern standard time always remember you are beautiful blessed and beloved good morning to you and i hope to see you later <laughs>